because God promised her that he would take care of us, protect us. And we built a whole legacy on that and rebuilt a new foundation on just enough. So if God says something that's good, it's good. And you can count on it. And believe me, we did. And she did. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm your host, Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. And we are so excited to be joining you here today. You know, a lot of times we bring people on and they share a lot about their their purpose. It tends to be a conversation that comes up a lot, or, or we've had conversation about Absolutely, that too, Todd. Yeah. So uh, today we actually have a purpose expert on the show. That's right. It's going to be awesome. That sounds like she's like a professional in that whole area. She really is. Absolutely <laughs> true. And you're going to find out more. Uh, let's just talk a minute for, in terms of the definition of the word purpose, because okay. maybe people have different definitions, but officially the dictionary definition is purpose. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists mm-hmm. or an intended or desired result, like an aim or a goal. Yes. I'd say that stacks up pretty close I to what we so understand too. as purpose. And, you know, really our purpose is kind of summed up uh, in Jeremiah 29, 11, <laughs> because God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now that's so a great purpose. You're saying God's got it all. There He's got it us, all. Right? We got to figure that out. Well, in today's episode, uh, you're going to hear uh, Beth's story and how things began uh, as a child, how she had to develop an understanding of real faith versus counterfeit. How she got through that was only by the grace of Honestly. God and a miracle. Such an incredible story. And she will give you um, a guarantee, seriously, a guaranteed formula on how you can succeed at work and in life. It's a simple formula and it's guaranteed. I mean, it's, it's rock solid. It you're you're going to love it. It's applied to everything. Yeah. You're going to hear, uh, she's going to share nine principles, Well, she won't share all nine. She's going to share a couple of them. It'll kind of tease you into the, the whole It'll understanding of your appetite, the principles to help you understand your purpose. And it's going to involve patience and perseverance and, and passion, of course. Yes. Yes. And she's going to talk a little bit about um, having um, a, a not to do list. I've got a, a big to do list, that. but a not to do list. Yeah. And so that is powerful. Going to camp out on that one. <laughs> nope, uh, not doing it. Not yeah. doing that either. Nope, not. <laughs> the other thing we're going to find out is really understanding the difference between what you do versus becoming who you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you talk a lot about that too. Yeah. So yeah, today, uh, Beth Townsend, Life on Purpose, author, speaker, award-winning TV show host, and purpose coach on her own. She's been on her own since she was 17 years old, just right out of high school. And Beth had no choice but to go to work. Eventually becoming a trainer in the real estate industry, Beth was asked one question numerous times, and this changed the course of her life. And that question was, how did you know your purpose, Beth? 
in her 20s, she had no clue of her purpose, but realizing the depth of their question, it led her on a spiritual journey that continues today. Yeah, you're going, you're going to really learn some great things here. Uh, since 2001, she's been interviewing on-purpose people with the goal of learning how to share with others how to live a purposeful life. From her book, Life on Purpose, which is appropriately titled, <laughs> uh, she gleaned nine purpose principles that she's found can help anyone learn to be led so they can effectively lead others. Yes. And Beth's story actually includes two abortions before she was even 20 years old. Her passion for the pro-life movement uh, is founded in her pain from hiding the secret of abortion for years. You're, we're going to hear this story as well. Um, and how now she helps others share their truth of their experience so they can walk in freedom. You're going to love her TV show too. If you find yeah. it, it's called life on purpose. You can Google it. You're going to find it. And it's an award-winning show. In fact, 23 awards were, Amazing. uh, were given that show in uh, 2020 and 2021, including like best host, best show, best director, most inspirational, I uh, can't wait to see that. Um, so she's she has been around. She's a pro. We want to welcome her to the show today. Yeah. So welcome, Beth. And Beth, we're yeah, and we're grateful too that even though this is your very first time that you've done it, that Ever. you are willing to do it. <laughs> you're like the, the interviewer queen. queen. We're a little intimidated, so you're going to have to help us. If we miss some questions, we should ask. You think of you ask yourself them, okay? the questions. That feel? Yeah. Okay. All right. We are amazed by your story, and we can't wait for our listeners to hear your story and how God is so good and so full of mercy and grace, and how He will use our story for His glory. Glory and and nothing's wasted. And so let's start there. I know we want to talk about our purpose and how people can really discover their purpose, but we want to know who Beth is. We want to know how this life on purpose even got started and how it bubbled up inside. Well, because you're the purpose expert, you must have known right from the beginning. <laughs> Your purpose. It's, it's, it is interesting though, how so many people struggle with the worry about, do I even know my purpose and am I living it out? So we're going to, we're going to help relieve a lot of those concerns in the course of our conversation. Yes. But yeah, let's back up to the beginning. Talk to us about your childhood and where things got started. Okay. So I'm the youngest of five kids. So in a 10 year span, my mom had five kids. So I'm the youngest. And so my parents divorced. So my mom raised all of us on her own. Yeah. And how old were you when your parents divorced? I was five or six. Wow. Uh, I'm pretty cloudy on the memories specifics, but I was just a toddler. I know when my sister stood up to my mom and said, well, your kids come to you and say, you got to leave our dad. She was about 16 years old. And that would have made me about six because we're 10 years apart. So I was just a little a little older than a toddler and pretty young as a kid. And why did your sister tell your mom you need to leave dad? So my dad was a self-proclaimed prophet and he was very Jesus, God, the whole nine yards and very called by God. But purpose is a process. And when God doesn't answer your questions real quick like this, you either wait on God or you get ahead of God. My dad got ahead of God. He went way out and started new age things, started looking for quick fix answers. And one of the things he believed in was polygamy. He believed God's call on his life was so big that he was going to need not one, but 10 wives to help the call on his life. Wow. What? 10 10 wives. Okay. And, but not a Mormon family. Not a Mormon family. Which which totally that's stereotyping. I, mean, I know, Mormons, but, but that would but, have yeah. been more characteristic. But a Catholic family? Nope. We were just Sunday Christians. 
And we did devotions and things like that. But unfortunately, and I'm very careful not to dishonor my dad, but he liked women. And he believed that God, you can look in the Bible, there's polygamy. So you can pretty much take the Bible and um, I've got this little thing in front of me. You can take the Bible and make it say what you want it to say if you take it out of context. And we know that happens a lot. So he believed God called him to have 10 wives. And he had actually talked another woman and her child into moving in with us. He was very charismatic. And he was very, he was very good at convincing you of what he thought to be true, especially coming from God. So my sister, who was 16 at the time, was like, mom, you can't possibly let them move in with us because this is tragic. So she said, mom, you got a chance to save six of us. If you don't, we're all seven going down. So when my sister stood up for the family, then my mom realized she was going to have to leave my dad because she was scared of a prophet of God. She was scared that God would punish her if this was really true. And so she knew in that moment that she had to leave my dad. And at this point, because of what we had experienced, we really didn't like God. This whole God thing was not working well for us. And this whole polygamy thing, this was destroying our family. This whole Sunday business wasn't looking the same on Mondays. And it's like, yes, okay. And confusion. Yeah, we do not want some God. But at the same time, my mom, who's scared just to, to leave and go out on her own. She had little education. She had secretarial jobs. She prayed and she didn't really know God, but she said, God, please help me. And God came in to that conversation and he said to her, I will take care of you and your children. And that was the first real God moment that we knew. And we have built an entire family foundation on that word from God. And she just passed away. But up until the point that something would happen in our family, we would call mom and we would say, remember one time when my sister said, they think Adam may have a terrible disease, mom. And she's, honey, I promise you, he doesn't. Because God promised her that he would take care of us, protect us. And we built a whole legacy on that and rebuilt a new foundation on just enough. So if God says something that's good, it's good. And you can count on it. And believe me, we did. And she did. I love that your mom found a new faith, a new a real child, faith. a real faith, yeah. a new childlike real faith that you were all able to lean in on and camp in as well. And it's changed the trajectory of your lives. And so I think what courage that must have took for her to listen to her 16-year-old daughter and what courage it took your sister to even speak this out to your mom and just how God still just worked through it all. And yeah, I just can't imagine what you all had to process and go through in your own individual lives to make sure you're on God's right word and right track. So with that said, you have had some interesting moments as you have grown up. I say in interesting with quotes around it. Moments as you have continually trusted God and moved through your own journey of faith. You in your bio actually talk about having two abortions before the age of 20. And I do want to go there because it's in your bio. And so many people listening have either dealt with abortion or it, someone they know. And so why are you on a mission to really help people experience freedom from this pain 
of maybe these decisions they've gone through. Because secrets seal shame into your heart and your soul. So whether it's the shame of an abortion or an affair or something you did, if you can have something in a dark corner and hide it and cover it up and leave it there, then you know you can fool yourself that it's there. And I did that for a long time. I have this older boyfriend, but when you don't grow up with a dad, you want a dad and you'll do anything to find that. And so I found someone that was 16 years older than me when I was 16. And of course, the relationship got physical very quickly. After that happened two times, the first time, okay, I'm just a kid. The second time I'm like, okay, you're just a big fool. How can you end up here again? So after that happened, I shut the door and I'm like, I'm a speaker already. And I'm telling people, you don't worry about your past. It's all about your future because I didn't want to have to worry about mine. So years later, I'm married. I have two little kids. My husband and I go to a conference. It's a, he goes first a one weekend and then I go the next weekend. And I'm scared because I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're going to make me stand up and recite all my sins. And I'm going to be there for a minute if that be the case. But what happened was very different. So there are several people, they get up and do talks. And all the women, every single one of the women that got up and did talks that weekend brought up the topic of abortion. And the whole time, and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. And then the second lady got up and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. And then the third lady got up and I'm like, oh, Lord, please, no, you really don't mean for me to have to deal with that. You know. I buried this. This is good. We're good. I prayed. We don't have to deal with this. And then the fourth lady got up. And as each lady got up, you could hear people gasp across the room because A, the topic and B, they, their experience. And I thought, okay. And then I thought, okay, so maybe God is asking me to deal with this. And I thought, but I don't know how. I really don't know how. And so I told somebody at the retreat and I prayed about it with one of the pastors. And it's like the Lord simply said, just tell your husband. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll go tell my husband. Mind you, I should have told him. And this is big news to tell someone that you're supposed to be soulmates with. So I came home and I thought, I'm going to tell him. It's just going to be so quick and easy and it'll be over. And so I said, I'm going to tell him. And day one goes by, day two goes by, day five, day 30. I cannot tell him. And I realize I have a real problem with this. If I can't tell him and I can't tell anyone and I still, I've prayed about it and I still can't tell him. I'm like, okay, you have really buried something deep and it's causing you a lot of pain because just the thought of it sent shivers up my spine. So finally one day I tell him. And I tell him in like 10 seconds or less. I'm like, honey, there's some things I've got to tell you. So I just, I'm not even looking at him. I'm in another room. There's a door between us and I couldn't face him. And I said, I just, I had two abortions. And then I said a couple of other things. And I said, I just need you to know. And then what do you want for dinner? (laughs) Yeah, basically pretty much that. And so he said, come sit down with me. And we had a big recliner. And I sat in his lap in the recliner and he said, are you okay? And I said, I cried. And the thing about it is I'm not a teary person. I'm not a crier. But the tears that I cried that day literally burned my skin. Like there were paths. It's like poisonous. It's like finally had to come out. And from that point, after I told him, then I got into a study, a forgiven and set free study in Atlanta, which is where we live. I went across town. I'm like, I can't, I'm wearing sunglasses and the whole hats. And I'm like, I can't let anybody know. But over the years, and when I wrote my book, my husband edited it and he's like, I 
are you sure you want to write all these things? And I'm like, yes, I am. Because this is a big part of what happens to people is you try to hide stuff and you try to glad it over here. But until you've cleaned out those reservoirs and dug out the darkness, you can't let light go in. And that was what God was kindly prompting me to do. Beautiful. Wow. Beth, you said it earlier about something to the effect that secrets seal shame, something to that effect. And that really would resonate with a lot of people. And don't you think that for those who are listening right now and they have something they've never disclosed. In fact, I you have something it, you want to share with me. <laughs> <laughs> Not here, but actually I, I ran across somebody that I was, I was mentoring and he's in his late sixties. And in the process of our talk, I'm the first one he shared something with that he was so ashamed of. He never shared it with his wife. Once he went and he shared it with his wife, like you, he experienced such freedom and there was so much more openness in his life that God could then work through. But can you tell that person who's still holding on and maybe even has gotten to a place of like denial, like barely even remembering that shameful thing, can you help them in the process of just going back to it and disclosing it full on and then the result of what will occur? Because some people don't know how to get there or they're scared silly. That was me. I I was like, I would do anything for no one to know this. And how can I get around that part of it? Can I go and do some prayers and confession? And okay, can we be okay? Because I had the happy brush down. Because in our family, when we grew up and all this stuff was going on, we just thought, we just go out and act like everything's okay. Maybe everybody will think so. So then you adopt that as, you know, your mantra for life. Let's just act like everything's okay. And then maybe people will buy that. And then God's like, no, that's, you're living a lie if that is true. So in order to live in full freedom, if you really want freedom and you don't want to have that thing circling in your head, clouds above you all the time, you have to be completely free. And therefore you have to, the Bible says, bear your sins with one another. The problem that we have in our country is that we have drive-by relationships. We don't have those friendships that we're fostering where we can really share the depths of our soul. And let me tell you something that happened to me years ago. Let me just get that out. And I had a friend years ago, she called me and she said, oh my gosh, I've got to tell you something. I've got to talk to you. And she lived in another state way over and she was struggling with something that was a sin. And she's married. She's a professional Christian, all the things. And she says, I've just got to tell this to somebody. And then we had a strategy after we came out of that conversation. Here's what you're going to do to avoid a situation where that puts that where you're having to deal with that all the time. And but just being able to say it, she's oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And there you again, you're putting things into the light. There's something supernatural. You can't explain what happens when you take something out of the dark and put it into the light, because that's where God comes in. So while we like to say, I felt better, it's more than a feeling. It's a fact. Are better. You're better because it's a biblical directive to to bear your sins with one another and to confess your sin. And then for me, I did a Bible study. I really wanted to be done with this. I really wanted to do it the right way. Once, Once God put it on my heart, then I went through the six week study with a bunch of other women all felt the same way that I did. And after that, the healing, I began to walk out 
And it's a process. A good word. I love that. And the truth is it takes intentionality and you were very intentional and deliberate and you took action. And, and that's what it takes too. It's not just the prayer and deliverance of, but it's the action steps to get fully healed. And so now you are able to share your story to help others through theirs. And that's how God works in our story. And so I love that about you. You have, again, you, you have, you left home actually when you were 16 or 17 and you had to go and find a way, make a way and be a, you had to go adult early. (laughs) And so through the adulting, you learned a lot and people thought, man, she's really got her purpose all figured out. Let's dive into that and unpack that. So my mom raised five kids. So I'm the last of the five. So, you know, by the time you get around to the fifth one, it's it's pretty much going to be sink or swim anyway. (laughs) But she, her marriage at the time failed failed badly. So it was, my dad went on to marry nine times and my mom was in a marriage during my high school years. And when that failed, there was no money. We were in a government assisted house. So that's where we had lived. My mom had bought a house with government assistance and we lived in that house. And when that marriage failed, then she had no money. So she had to start completely over. So she said to me, honey, I'm selling the house. I can't afford to pay for it. It wasn't that she just left me flat out on the street somewhere. It was just the, it was just where we were. So she sold the house and basically said, I'm moving to Virginia and you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do. And so uh, I had been accepted into the University of Southern Mississippi. My dad's ninth wife had some money. They said they would pay for me to go to school. I went long enough to realize they weren't going to pay for me to go to school mm. and had a little taste of the college life long enough to realize, okay, Beth, you're going to have to get up and go to work. And so that's what I did. I went to work. <laughs> you, that's what you do when you got to pay for You got to survive. You got to go to work. Know, did you know what kind of work you wanted to do? No. So I went to work in a bank as a head. That was great. We got robbed. That's another story. But so after that, after I had made $714 a month, I could not make ends meet. At the time I was living with my dad and his ninth wife. And that was the biggest mess you've ever seen because I didn't have anywhere to go. And after that, I decided to move to Virginia where my mom and my sister were. My sister offered me a job in property management with a free apartment. So you're like, after free apartment, yeah, it was like, yeah. So after a couple of years trying to struggle and make it on my own, I packed it up, drove a little U-Haul all the way to Virginia with my few little belongings and went to real work into where I started a real career. And I was eventually very successful. Amazing. (laughs) Perseverance. Yeah, that's quite a story. You, you learned through the school of hard knocks, I guess that's one cliche way of putting it, but you really truly did. I'm just curious about something because you had faith that started to grow when your mom had called out to God and you guys camped in on that. Was there a point in time where you, you owned your own faith where you can point to, and this was the period of time where this was the occasion where this is where I drove a stake in the ground. I was saved and I was kind of like a late middle schooler. And so there was a neighborhood, there's a neighborhood church. And so all the, one of my friends was the pastor. So we all went to youth group. It was the kind of cool thing to do. So it's funny because it was a Baptist church and we would go and they would play that stanza, you know, the last stanza, this is for you if God's calling you. <laughs> yeah, right. And I walked the aisle like six weeks in a row because well, if you died tonight, <laughs> would you go to heaven? But I'd done some wrong yeah. stuff. So I had to get over my guilt trip. So my pastor finally said, you don't, you don't have to keep coming down the aisle. But that was the point where I was actually saved. 
but I had no clue what to do from there. And it really wasn't, I kind of I had faith and I had God over the years and had purpose somewhere out here, but it wasn't really until my husband and I got married that we both said, when you marry somebody that's had a dad that's been married nine times and my mom was married three times, you're pretty much going to have to invite God in if there's any hope. <laughs> yeah. So we went, we decided we were going to put Christ first and we did. And that's, we built on that together mm. and over the long haul. Yeah. Beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. You have a godly man, Fred, in yeah. your life. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Through your journey of management and in real estate, that kind of thing, people kept coming up to you saying, how did you know your purpose? Like they saw you as successful and always had been successful. And they wanted to know your, give me the one, two, three of how to do the same. And you talk about how purpose is a mindset and that's where passion lives, faith thrives, and God's will is accomplished in the life of every believer. And so let's talk about how the notion that people were saying, oh my goodness, Beth, you've got your purpose going on. Help me find mine. How did that even, how were you able to digest that when you knew, I, I don't really know my purpose. I'm just here, but somehow people see this in me. There was a pivotal point in my professional life, which set this up. And that was, I was in a group of young executives of which I was one of. They'd all had degrees. Most of them were older than me. And I felt like a fish out of water. I thought, gosh, if I say something, I'm going to sound so stupid because I really don't know much, but here I am. And I'm going to be really great at this job. But we're sitting at this corporate table one day, getting ready to have a big meeting and the boss wasn't there yet. And so I was sitting there quietly listening and listening is something I've been really good at over the years. So I was sitting there listening to the chatter before the boss comes in and everybody was complaining about the stuff he was doing. I can't believe we have this company policy and I can't believe this and I can't believe that. And they were complaining. But yet when the boss came in, they're like, oh, yeah, we're such big cheerleaders. And I thought, OK, I just found something I can do differently. And that is I'm not going to I'm not going to badmouth anyone ever. And I'm not going to complain when I receive a paycheck. So it was like I might not have letters past my name, but I know that if I decide to work really hard, have a great attitude. That doesn't mean I don't deal with conflict. I just go to that person and deal with it and get it resolved. And I'm not going to badmouth people. Then I think I might have some professional skills. So fast forward, I ended up passing by all those people around that table over the years because I did have the great attitude. I was the team player. I was a problem solver. And I didn't talk bad about people regardless. And the next thing you know, I'm teaching seminars in my business because I'm a great cheerleader and because the industry literally saved me. Just got to stop you for a minute because you just gave like a great formula, a very simplistic formula on how to succeed at work. Don't bad mouth. Don't complain. It's dark. Just be godly. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's awesome. It sounds simple, but it became easier for you as you continue to practice it. I had to de has to determine what skills set you apart. What's going to make you different? And that's what made me different. And so that's that was my mantra. And my boss has never had to worry about me mm. being that grumbler and that type of thing. And that paved the way for me to do real well. So I've taught that over the years that if you never say a bad word about anybody, you know what? You don't ever have to worry about that coming back to bite you. And that's a good rule to live by. 
But as I'm teaching these seminars, people did start to ask me, how did you know your purpose? Because it looked like I knew my purpose and it looked like I had it all together. God knew your purpose. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) So eventually that question was at first, it was like, ah, just to make pay the bills, just, just this, that, or the other. And eventually I thought, I'm pretty sure this is a God thing. I might need to dig a little deeper. So what, yeah. So what actually occurred when you're beginning to wonder, do Am I living out my purpose and how do I know that and how do I get to that point? Because those are questions I think people at all ages will once in a while fall back into, just not sure, am I really living out what my purpose is? So what process did you have to go through to become now like the purpose expert, if you will, (laughs) because it didn't happen just overnight and there must have been a process you went through. Because I was speaking and I was traveling, when my kids were little, I wanted to be home with them. My mom had to work the whole time and I was like, if I have the opportunity to stay home with my kids, I'm going to do that. My husband was all for it. So I had the opinion that speakers write. So I'm going to write a book. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I decided that I was going to go interview people that wake up every day that know what God's called them to do and they're doing it. And I thought, I'm just going to start, I'm just going to start talking to people because I had questions. I thought I'm going to find people who have real answers. I came home and I told Fred, I said, I'm going to write this book and it's going to be called People with Passion and I'm going to interview people. And my first two people that said yes were Millard and Linda Fuller for founded Habitat for Humanity and Bill McCartney, who founded Promise Keepers. Wow. And I knew when they said yes, plenty of people said no, but plenty of people said yes. I knew when they said yes, that I was on to something. And so I began to talk to people one-on-one, face-to-face, traveled wherever they were about their purpose and how God had brought that about in their life. And then I began to build purpose principles based on that. And that was 2001. And I'm still doing that today. That is amazing. Just wanting to have the answer yourself led you to where you are today. And that started in 2001 and it hasn't, it's just continually snowballed. I love how God has blessed that and blessed you by being persevering in finding this pursuit of purpose and understanding it and have nine principles that you've learned from the people that you've interviewed. Are you willing to unpack all those nine or a few of them just to give us a glimpse? Because we know you have a book and we want to get people to get life on purpose, your book. But let's tap into a few of those, if you don't mind. Okay. All the purpose principles are based on an interview that I did and parts of my story. So one of the favorite purpose principles is what I call know you're not. Because see, everybody wants to know what to do and who they are. But if you start with what not to do and who you're never going to be, then you begin to eliminate a lot of layers of things that you're fake being. It's good. In the world of social media, we're like, oh my gosh, I see someone doing that. I'm going to do that. And we've all fallen prey, prey to that. At least I know I have. But if you know you're not, and that's based on a story of a guy that was very pivotal in my faith journey. His name is John Croyle. He played football for Bear Bryant. He had an opportunity to play professional football, but he felt like God had called him to do something else. Without getting deep into that story, he said no to football because he felt like he had a bigger yes for God. God didn't call him to play football. And he was going to use football as the provision. But John said, you know, where God leads, he provides. And so he said no to football and he said yes to God. He was able to pursue his dream of opening boys' homes in Alabama. And someone else that did play football gave him the signing bonus. So 
a big part of purpose is being able to confidently say no to the things that are not your purpose. Everything is not of God. There's lots of good things, but there are very few moments that are God things. And the way to determine that is very, the scripture says, whatever you do, ask for the Lord. So as you're going about your schedule and you're planning, whether it be a Bible study or to start a ministry or to start a business, can you do that as for the Lord? And if you can't give it that kind of commitment, then it's a not for you. Mm. If you can't say, okay, I'm going to sign up for this Bible study and I'm going to do the work and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do is what I call committing to your commitments. Cause what happens is you create a guilt trip because you sign up for a Bible study because it sounds so good. Mm. And then you feel bad because you didn't do the work. So don't do it at all. You're better off knowing you're not re be realistic and what you can do. And then also have a to-don't list. I like to say, yeah, to-do lists are great, but what are your to-don't lists? That can be health-related. That could be time-related. You have to frame your life and in such intentionality that you're bulletproof on what you can and can't do. And that's a very important purpose principle. That's good. I love that. I love that so much. And I heard you say in another interview one time about say no to the nickel and dimes of your time. So you can say yes to what God really has for you. And I think about that. What is nickel and diming your time? I know for me, man, I've had some nickel diming time <laughs> stuff and I'm like, ah, oh. so I love the do nots, the do not list. I'm going to yeah. create my do not list. Well, I, we're going to talk more about the book because all these principles are laid out in the book and you give some very practical advice so that I'm not just hanging out in the clouds and it's an ethereal thought, right. but you give us stuff we can actually do to figure this stuff out. And I love the fact that if you can identify what not to do and who you are not, it's going to free you to stop making all the comparisons yes. with people you think you ought to be like. And social media, you pointed out, <laughs> that's probably the biggest culprit. And we think, oh, if only I'd no. so focus on yeah, what you're not and what you're not called to do. What's next? Give us another principle. So another one is, let's see, we could do faith over fear, vision. Let's talk about vision because vision, you know, this, if people yeah. are listening at real time, this is airing at the first of the year and vision is a big part of that first of year commitments and yeah. recalibrating our thoughts and stuff. So let's talk about vision a little bit because that's a big one. We've heard the scripture without a vision, the people perish. And that's, you perish in your soul because you don't feel like you've got a purpose. You don't feel like you've got a goal that you've set out. And the person that I interviewed for this was a lady named Ruth Schnottmeyer, long name, <clears throat> but she was on a lot of committees and doing a lot of great things at her church. And so God asked her one day in the midst of a big meeting of all these impressive people, he said, Ruth, when are you going to stop doing church work and start doing the work of the church? So she stepped back and she says, okay, Lord, what does that mean? Sometimes you have to look at what bothers you and what keeps you up at night. And what is it that you see during the day that you're like, that's just not okay with me. And what was not okay with her was seeing women and children roam the streets during the day. And again, this was in Atlanta. There were many night shelters. There were no day shelters. So she began to, with a partner, she, she opened Atlanta Day Shelter for women and children. So fast forward, she has this, she opens one, she moves into two, she moves into three. And then when it's time to move into the fourth, there's this group of us moms, young moms, we're going on a Mother's Day out trip and we're riding with her to see this new property. And by then we'd come to love her and know her and we'd supported her, but we're riding over to this new property that she's about to purchase with the help of a lot of people. And she was telling us how great it was going to be. And we're like, man. 
she must be kicking it. This is great, right? <laughs> so we drive up to this <clears throat> dump of a place. It's a horrible looking parking lot. And we're all kind of sneering and looking at each other. I don't know about this, right? So we're like, okay, so it's got to be inside because it is definitely not out here, whatever it is we're seeing. So she's just, this is going to be the playground. This is going to be the sick room, whole nine yards. She's just going on and on. And then it hit me. She doesn't see what we see. She sees what God has given her to do. Now, had she asked me my humble opinion, I would have said, Ruth, find another building. I would have said, do something else. Because that's what happens when we ask people about our visions. We're like, okay, this is what I feel like God's called me to do. They don't get it. But she could see what God had given her to accomplish. And yes, she went on to accomplish that. Was it easy? No. Was she on her knees? Yes. But she had a vision. And if you allow other people to take your vision and legalize it and logistic it and say this, that, and the other, then you're going to perish. Because if God gives you a picture of what you're supposed to do with your life, he's going to keep you on your knees and he's going to keep you needing him. But you have to keep that vision in there so much that you're willing to say, this is what this is going to be. This is what that's going to be. And then you have to sometimes say it and speak it before you're ever going to see it. I'm hearing the P principle. I'm hearing prayer, patience, and perseverance. Yes. Is yeah. that it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And with the vision, I'm thinking to myself, it, maybe there's often, oftentimes, maybe you shouldn't be sharing that vision with so many people. It's okay to maybe share with one or two that you trust, but to put it out there that people where they may not see it or get it and speak negatively toward a vision God's given you, wouldn't you agree maybe to kind of hold that vision closely and maybe just those around you that you trust? Yes, you have to have your inner circle. You, there are certain people that you know aren't in the same spiritual level where you're at. Not that some are, a man's faith allows them to believe what a man's faith allows them to believe. I think you have to find people. This is so important. Part, yeah, you have to have the people. And if you don't have the people in your life where you can talk about these things with, then you have to go find those people. And I coach a lot of women, and they're like, I just need some great friends. Well, they're not going to come knocking at your door. Mm -hmm. So go to where they are. If you really need those people in your life, then you have to find them. God has them for you. You've got to go. You've got to go to your church, get in a small group, go to the gym, go where healthy people are thriving and doing great things and surround yourself with people that can help you not only believe in that vision, but help you facilitate it and all that. We love the way that um, God convinced you, if you will, persuaded you of exactly what your purpose was, because it's not like you just sat down one day and took a piece of paper and a pencil and wrote it all out. And then an Did hour later, I'm living it. Yeah. You like you were walking it out, working it out. And I think that's a good word for people who feel a lot of pressure that like, I don't know what my purpose is. And they want to know the answer like right now. It's Rick Warren's question. Why on earth are you taking up space? What's the reason for that? And everybody really wants to know, but it's not just a quick and simple thing. So maybe in the process of how you learned it, I'm guessing that's what allowed you to really write the book with confidence that the principles that you share when worked through over a period of time actually will show you and help you determine your purpose. Let's talk a little bit about your TV show, because I think it's amazing that you put together a life on purpose show and won 23 awards just this year, on. right? That's awesome. 20, in 2020 and 2021. Amazing. 
how did, how did that get started? What's your objective in doing the show and where can people find it? It was my husband's idea to do the TV show because I had been publishing a magazine for three and a half years, which was great and all the good things, but it was, it was just coming to the end of paper and for us, for me, and it was a lot of work, but in the process, publishing a magazine, and this is 10,000 copies every month for 43 months. It's an incredible amount of work and organization. But I learned every time we would go past those magazines out and the distribution team would take the magazines out, I thought if everybody read these stories, they would feel so much better about where we are because they're incredible stories. And so my husband said, I do a lot of the conferences. I know, Wendy, that you've done. And I came home and I told him, and he's a very creative visionary. I told him, I said, everybody's everybody's doing TV. So he looked at all the formats and he said, yeah, they are, but they don't have any content. They're running Brady Bunch. And so he said, why don't we do a TV show? And about the same time, we had come across some people that were at Pure Flix. And this was just one of those divine appointments. And we were doing a media article about Christian media. And so I asked the guy at Pure Flix, I said, would you let us interview you? And he says, well, I can't, I'm leaving, but I'll put you in touch with someone else later. And all that actually happened. We're, so we tell them in the process of talking to them about their part of media, we said, we're thinking about doing a TV show. And they're like, we'd like to see a pilot. And I'm like, okay. And I said to my husband, I said, what do we do about a pilot? We don't have a pilot. We set up a studio in our house and we call in three people from the magazine stories that were just fantastic. And we did a pilot and they said, well, we'll take the whole episode and uh, the whole season. And we're like, oh my gosh. So we funded it ourselves and we filmed it and we had 14 episodes. And one of the episodes, one of the guys said, you should enter film festivals. And I'm literally like, what are those? We didn't know any of that. So we, he tells us where to go. We enter all these film festivals. And in 2020, we were coming out with the book and the TV show just in time for COVID to hit. All of our film festivals, all of the book signings were, as everybody else's were, they were canceled. But we went ahead and soft-pedaled the TV show and the book and continued to do that. But in the process, I was totally opposed to doing interviews that were not in person. But after COVID, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to change the way that I do it. So I've been doing a lot of online interviews and it's just, it's been great. I do a little TV production, do a little like this. And it's just, but here's the thing that in Revelation, it says they, they overcame the enemy by the word of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And the way to change the world is one story at a time, but we have to get the stories out there. So that's why I do what I do because ultimately I do a lot of things, but it's all to get the stories out there. I was going to say, you could almost offer a money back guarantee on watching that show because those stories are going to inspire. They're going to encourage, they're going to motivate people. And that's one big reason why to find your show. So where can we find it? It's on Pure Flix. It's on CBN's YouTube channel. It's on BethTownsend.com. Just Google it. You'll find it. It's pretty much there. Yes. And that's one of the reasons we love what you're doing, because that's what we're doing here at Your Biggest Breakthrough. And we wanted to get your story out because it's powerful. And again, it's our testimony that helps people and overcome. And so thank you so very much for sharing your story with us. Thank Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us with these these biblical principles on just purpose. And yeah, we're just thrilled to have you. And we're grateful you're living yours out because you do know what that is now. (laughs) And God has affirmed that for you time and again, because there isn't a person that's walking this planet 
that doesn't have a purpose that God has designed for them or they wouldn't be here. The first purpose is to become Christ-like because the more you draw into him, the more, and you have to remember, it's not about what you do. It's like to say we're human. We're not human beings. We're not human doings. We're human beings. Who we are should prompt what we do, not what we do prompt who we are. So it's very important that we get that relationship with Christ right because purpose is a result of that. That's, that's right. what produ- produces. Oh, that's it. That's, so that's it. That's so good. Yes. <laughs> thank you, it. Beth. What a great way. I really appreciate what uh, God's doing through you. To wrap this up. So thank you so very much for your time. God bless you. And we will be in touch. All right. Thanks for being on your biggest breakthrough. Take care. Thank you for having me. She has really walked through it. She's done the work. She is, speaks with authority because she's she's been there. She's been through so much and God has flipped it around for his glory. And it's just, it's amazing just how courageous she's been through the whole journey. Well, she's earned the right to speak on behalf of what you need to know. And that is what is my purpose? And and maybe you're like, you're rock solid there. You know what it is. Then God's invitation to you would be to help somebody else find theirs. There are a lot of people running around just feeling confused. I don't know what God's will is. Like, why am I here? I just don't get it. And it, it doesn't take rocket science to figure this out. There's a few key principles that she writes about that can assist a person really nailing this thing down and and then living it out. And one of the things that she mentioned, which could be you just being a set of listening ears for someone to share their deepest, darkest secret and not to judge them or condemn them, but to allow them to just let that out and to finally allow God to heal that wound. That could be such a beautiful gift for somebody. So maybe that's an opportunity. Check out her show, yes. get her book. Go to BethTownsend.com. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Get on. Get on with it. Thanks so much stay for tuning purpose. in. Yeah, stay on purpose. And thanks so much for tuning in to your biggest breakthrough. We'll catch you next time. So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.